uh, we're back uh, for part two of our interview with Natasha. So Natasha, at the end of the last uh, episode, you were talking about consent and how you started to explain about how just because you are the dominant doesn't, you have to be careful about the way that you are obtaining consent from somebody that's submissive and making sure that it's not coercive in nature. Tell us a little bit more about that. The way I have best had it described to me, and I wish that I could remember who started this, started me down this track, is to think of the way that you interact with family members. You're going to your aunts for some holiday meal. Why are you going? Are you going enthusiastically? <laughs> and then how are you going to interact with the people there? Are you going because, you know, are you happy, to, really happy to see everybody? Or are you really happy to see everybody because you had a couple of glasses of wine so that you could tolerate everybody, okay. right? These are consensual things that you've done, right? Correct. But those are not how you want to have sex. Mm -hmm. So those are different types of consent. There's also the like sitting on the couch, watching some crappy TV because you're too, you know, lazy or just it's too much work. The remote's gone. Like those are not, those are, that's consent, but it's not how you want to have sex. It's not how you want to enter into a BDSM relationship. You don't want to do it be, with, you know, because you've had too much to drink because there's nothing else going on or, you know, because you feel obligated. Okay. So as the dominant, you need to recognize that occasionally a submissive will consent to doing something with you not enthusiastically, but because they're like, you're my dominant. I know you really want to do a whipping. I really am not into whipping, but like, I'm going to consent to do this, like to be whipped because I know that you'll also do all these other things that I like. Okay. So there's consent there, but it's not really fully consent. Um, there's also the kind of consent where, and, um, you know, this happens a lot in sex where you've had too much to drink or, you know, had too much to imbibe in one way or another. And then all of a sudden you're doing things that maybe if you were sober and thinking about it, you wouldn't do. Right. So it's enthusiastically given at the time, but would it have been if you hadn't, you know, had those glasses of wine or that CBD or THC or like whatever it is. I don't know what's legal in Texas. Um, you know, and then there's also the consent to, you know, you're at a party and somebody wants to do something and you're like, mm, I guess, you know, and there's a difference between like experiencing something and not liking it mm -hmm. because you wanted to experience it because there are many, many things in BDSM that you'll be like, totally not into that. And then you're like, try it. And you're like, I totally am into that now. <laughs> because things from the outside look weird. Mm -hmm. Why would somebody be into flogging? That just looks boring. And then you get in the middle of it and you're like, oh, this is actually really hot. I see. Like, it's, there's lots of things. And sometimes you will consent to do something and then realize that you didn't like it. That's right. not that the top violated your consent. You should have the relationship with your top that you're playing with to be like, 
I didn't like that. Wasn't anything you did in particular, I just didn't like flogging. As it turns out, meh. So consent is such a crazy involved process. I agree. So it's not, it's so, yeah. <laughs> we, we were talking about in one episode how um, we'd come across an article. You remember this, Ganny, we were talking about the, the video where people or attorneys are asking clients to get a video of their significant other giving consent before they have sex. And we thought that was absolutely ridiculous. This is why. <laughs> it's bananas because consent can change depending on what's happening. It should be flexible. It, it should be open and like Natasha was saying, you could consent to doing something and then realize while doing it, eh, not so much for me. Right, right. And a lot of that has to do with intention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because going into, and especially when like you start diving into the nuances of kink, you can consent. I'll use pegging. That's a good one. Some guy consents to being pegged, right? Mm -hmm. What if you start pegging him and calling him a sissy little bitch? And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I'm not a sissy little bitch. <laughs> but you consented to being pegged. But not so, humiliated. The humiliation. Yeah. So, like, I like to use that example because using how sex can go bad for women as a receiver, <laughs> it's just, yeah, a little trigger in there for some people. So it's easier to toss the mask under the bus on that example. But I like this example. This is, I think people will get it if mm -hmm. we use this particular example. They'll get mm -hmm. it a whole lot more, I think. What yeah. What do you think, Kenny? I agree with that. Yeah. No. It's not it's not necessarily that he didn't enjoy it. It's just the humiliation and having that well, conversation about like, well, I liked this. I would like more of this and less of the other. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And when there's the intent, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, I want you to peg me. I want you to like treat me like your girlfriend. And you're thinking, I'm going to peg him. I'm going to like treat him like a little bitch. <laughs> and then like, that's the intent. It's like completely missing. And I, and kink, I call that the flower versus flower. Because uh -huh. okay. when you're saying flower, the person that you're talking to is like flower. Yeah. And you're like flower. Yeah. And you're like totally on the same page. And then you're like heading off to bake something. They're heading off to plant flowers. And you're like, this is not total <laughs> miss. Even though y'all thought we're like, totally on the same page right very good way of looking at it i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna always have that <laughs> visual in my head flower and flower when i'm thinking about pegging yeah. okay so yeah all, all of those things are going to be going on in my head like oh my god <laughs> what's going on up there <laughs> just wanted to make cookies <laughs> Oh, geez, that's, that gets even worse. Pegging, cookies, and pegging, okay. <laughs> Speaking of that, okay, but thank you a lot for um, clarifying the consent because I, you went even, even deeper than we've been going into in our, um, some of the episodes that we've done and even deeper than we probably would have talked about in the 
um, presentation that we were going to do for the Rape Crisis Center. So I want to use some of the information that you talked about here because I think it's important for uh, safe safe sex and you know people that are out there you know dating and all of that. This is super. Oh no. Okay, so now for the fun, fun, fun part. We've gotten the serious stuff out of the way, the consent and the boundaries and all of that. I consider that fun too, so. <laughs> okay, well, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. People are really wanting to know about, uh, like, do you prefer dominance or submissives? And, you know, are you, which way are you in your relationship? You know, some of those types of questions. You knew, you knew I, coming. Yeah, um, I am dominant. I still identify as a switch. I cannot remember the last time that I actually switched, though. It's been well over a decade. So uh, <laughs> I'm pretty solidly on the top aspect of things. Strangely, after having a child, another child, I had 20 years in between them, um, I just became more of a top. Do you have any questions, Kenny? Because I've, I've got a couple. Well, um, from the questions that we had talked about before, what are a few of your most memorable experiences in the time that you've been a dominatrix? Um, because it's like over 20 years of like craziness. I'm in the process of moving all of these blog posts to one, like my favorite, like weirdness, uh, into one. So the one that I, the blog post that I just published on my new blog is about last year when I went and spent 24 hours, actually it was 36 hours at Disneyland with a diaper fetishist. And it was so fun. <laughs> and it was just interesting. I was like, I have learned my true calling is to like ride roller coasters and just m make snarky comments to somebody wearing a diaper while we're in line for roller coasters. It, like that is my true calling. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. This is where I'm like, I could, I'm just like, I don't know. I, what have I done? I don't know. I can't remember. I don't, uh. What's been your strangest request? Like the, where you had to like think like, oh, hmm, uh, okay, I think I can do that. They're all normal for me because I've been getting them for so long. Um, I used to have somebody who would come in and bring um, peppers and I would slice the peppers and put them down his urethra and in his um, anus. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, I just clenched up as while you were saying that. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Um, I used to be part of a girl gang when I was in the Bay Area, the girl gang, it was girl gang Fridays and it was a reward for, for clients. They would get to come in and there'd be four of us and it was sort of a skillshare for us. We would get to play together and learn things from each other and have this submissive just live out of fantasy. Um, so we did a lot of things there. Some of them that shocked me because I don't do a lot of medical play where, where I got to learn how to use, uh, flesh staplers to staple their, the skin on their testes up over their testes to create, sort of make it look like a vulva. Um, right. and then catheterize them so that, yeah. Um, and it was just like so weird because they had brought a um, edible arrangement as a gift for the gang. Mm -hmm. And so the gang members were all just standing around learning how to staple flesh and eating chocolate covered fruit. And I like look over at my friend and I'm just like, 
this is one of those weird things, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to process that. Um, but really, like a lot of the things that I do are, they are weird to the outsider, but, you know, we all have these crazy weird fantasies. A lot of us do. I may be, I may have a skewed perspective on that because I deal with it all day. So there, you know, it's just always amazing the things that people fetishize. And I'm always just so honored when somebody opens up to me and like, is like, this is my weird fetish. This is the cartoon that I watch every day when I masturbate. Like, yeah. Um, What are your limits? What, what are, what are things that, because I mean, with, you know, stapling balls, I mean, that's (laughs) kind of out there. Um, So what, what would you say your limits are? My limits are, I'm not really into medical play, so I don't do a lot of uh, the staplings. I do mild piercings and that sort of, um, but my limits are I don't offer nudity. Um, I don't offer traditional sex. Um, I don't do anything that involves uh, poop, vomit. I don't do anything that involves kids or animals. I don't involve non-consensual people. I do a lot of uh, out and about public humiliation, but I like doing it in a subtle way that I can whisper in their ear about, you know, the fact that they're wearing panties and we're out together and, you know, that I know that they're all plugged or maybe I have a vibrating, like remote control vibrating butt plug, that kind of thing. I don't, but I don't want to involve anybody that's just trying to be out enjoying the day. Um, I cater to a lot of weird, fun stuff. Uh, like, I really like age play, over the knee spanking. I really like uh, zentai and sex doll stuff. I really like like any kind of sissification. Um, so I do a lot of fun stuff. And every time I do a session, I like a successful session for me is I'm done with it. And I'm like, that was the best session ever. Just because you're just high off that top space and that energy. And you're like, you know, and so that can be a spanking scene or a whipping scene or a bonded scene, electric. It doesn't really matter because once you get that chemistry and that trust and like you start feeding off those just emotions and that play and that fun and that escapism and you're just like high. So... And so is this, because you're in a um, consensual and monogamous relationship, your work is work. You know, how, how do you separate work from your, the intimacy and sex that you have in your relationship? Um, I don't do any penis and vagina sex, traditional sex with my clients. I don't they don't see me naked. There's no cuddling. I'm not going to say there's no cuddling. I do see adult babies and cuddle with them. Um, but it's a very different situation when you're, you know, a professional mommy cuddling with an adult baby, as opposed to my husband and I cuddling. Um, again, it's intention. So. And that's what people need to hear, you know, because they're not, a lot of times people aren't able to separate the two. Like this is work. 
these are what the boundaries are, this is what our agreement is, and then this is what my relationship is with my significant mm -hmm. other. You know, this is yeah. intimate, this is the intimacy that I have with my significant other. So, yeah. And I mean, we've been together for a long time, so we've gone over, definitely we've talked about like for a while there were certain activities that I didn't do with clients that I saved for home. Um, but in the end, I think it's, you know, it's my vanilla life is shared with my partner. So my vanilla sex, because I'm kinky as fuck, but you know, still like vanilla sex. It's not just kink. It's all over the place. So, right. Um, there's also lots and lots of things I do with my clients and my husband's like, mm, no, <laughs> <laughs> You go off and enjoy that. Uh, I'll catch you on the other side. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I would totally do this, but I think being a therapist gets in the way of that. So, you know. Yeah, I'm actually uh, the person that I, I have some therapists that they can't do hands-on and they talk to their clients and their clients are like, I really want to try this. Well, that's what a professional is for. Yeah, I know how to do it. I have the skills. I know the safety. I know, like, you know, yeah. So that's why you bring in a professional. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sounds like you get to, I get to listen to the, the bad stuff and you get to have the fun. <laughs> it's not all like that though, because there are plenty of people who come and see me who you know, it becomes far more than just, you can't have that kind of intimacy with somebody mm -hmm. and not have it bleed over. Yeah. I've definitely had clients come and talk to me and then tell me about, you know, that the session was extra cathartic because they just had a friend pass away and then we end up talking about that and talking through that. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of what I offer is, you know, a different kind of intimacy okay. and a different kind of trust. Um, I can't possibly offer what you offer. <laughs> um, when I say therapeutic, <laughs> it's completely, you know, it's therapeutic, like, you know, a one-off massage. It's not, <laughs> you know, but I, I understand that. I mean, because BD, I'm, I'm finding a whole lot of articles and research that's supporting um, some types of BDSM for people who have experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're talking a lot about the embodiment, you know, process and how it's empowering. A lot of that, we were going to talk a little bit about that in the presentation that we were going to do with the Rape Crisis Center. So I, I absolutely understand. How, how it's possible. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely possible. You know, the human mind works in such a crazy way. And I've worked with people who've had traumas happen to them and they come to me and they want to relive that trauma. And it's like this guilt and shame that they want to relive that trauma mm -hmm. and that they have somehow fetishized this trauma. And they're just like, they don't like, they can't. And sometimes I'm the only person that they've ever talked to about it because they don't talk to their therapist about the fact that like, you know, 
they were raped and now they fetishize being raped and I, you know, you can like walk them through and it's like, it's a power exchange and you're reclaiming the power by submitting to something, but having all the control. You're right. reliving, you can relive an experience and reclaim what happened to you. Um, slightly the same as uh, we had a bunch of uh, several late term miscarriages and I found myself diving deep into adult baby play. And for me, it became very therapeutic because I was able to take all of those feelings and sort of play them out elsewhere and associate them with play as a, and take it away from all of the pain. Okay. Because at the beginning of it, I would walk through Target. I couldn't even look at the maternity stuff and like the baby stuff and, you know, um, it was just this weird way that I processed through these miscarriages. So, so it's and, been really, it's been therapeutic for you. Yeah. And I mean, I still enjoy age play, but not nearly to the extent as I did mm-hmm. during that burning time of getting used to, you know, just getting past that initial loss. It was very, you know, it's like the human brain is just so weird. You just don't know where it's going to go for some of these things. And you have to just examine it. Right. And be okay with it because it is sometimes a little hard to be like, why am I fetishizing this? Why am I thinking about it? Like, I should not think about this. I should not have sexy thoughts about like this kind of power exchange because I've had this abuse in my past. And so I've dealt especially with a lot of women that are coming to the grips with like the whole, how do they enact this and how do they like create a safe place? And like, is it okay? Mm -hmm. And like, why does this happen? And you know, it's just, it's a long conversation. So well, thank you for that, Natasha. Uh, Kenny, do you have any more questions? Because we're going to roll over into the third part where we can pick up here where we left off and then start talking a little bit more about uh, what we were saying at the beginning about the safety in the sex industry and the coronavirus and all of those types of things. Do you have any questions? My questions were going to be about this current atmosphere that we're in and the COVID-19. So I guess we'll talk about that in the next episode. Yes. This episode is produced by Aaron Alexander, hosted by Kenny and Aaron, and mixed by Will. Thank you so much, Natasha. We'll be back with you shortly.